G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thanks very much again to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcast, and Stitcher, so no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. So today, I'd like to introduce you to Maram Tiber, who's doing a PhD in Cultural Studies under the supervision of Dr. Glenn Wilmot. Welcome to Grad Chat, Maram. Hi, Colette. It's so good to be here on this chilly morning. Oh, no. It's crazy. <laughs> Both of us are sitting here with toques on our head right. and, and if I could I'd have my gloves on as well but anyway <laughs> a bit pathetic and we're both I? sniffling into our tissues we are and it's not even winter yet no. but anyway we will get there <laughs> so we'll just keep talking a lot of talk and sort of bring some heat I guess yeah. <laughs> Now, a bit of background about Maram is, which actually I pinched, I have to say this, I pinched from her website, um, maramtaber.com. Maram is a fantasy writer, born in Montreal. She was raised in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia, which at, at times, as she says, was the most unimaginative place. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, I've never been to Riyadh, so I can't comment on that. Yeah. Um, but this actually pushed her to escape into books as a very early age and, and from there on to the craft of storytelling, which clearly she's into. Now, Maram is not only a fiction writer, but for some of you, it's very exciting too. She's also been a screenwriter and filmmaker. And in 2014, she actually made her first short film called Munkir. Is that correct? Munukir, oh, which, which is the Arabic for manicure. Ah, okay. There you go. Munukir. Um, and then following, following in 2016, Don't Go Too Far, both of which were actually screened at the Cannes Short Film Festival. So that's yeah, at the, pretty yeah, amazing. At the Short Film Corner. Corner, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So how did you feel about having films shown at the Khan Short Film Corner? Well, uh, it felt amazing, to be honest. Uh, my last experience in Cannes when Don't Go Too Far was being screened there was very hectic because we were taken there by the Saudi Film Council. Okay. So it was this newly founded entity in Saudi at the time because the industry was just taking off with the um, cinemas being allowed into the country again. Okay. So right. the industry is just like finding its own footing. Yes. You know? Before that, it was only just independent filmmakers who were struggled really hard, honestly, to create stuff because there was no channel for that other than film festivals and online platforms like YouTube and Vimeo. Right. But because cinemas have been reintroduced into the country, it's, it's just taking off and, and there's more energy, more fuel for that kind of work. So we were in Cannes as filmmakers to kind of present the Your country work. and our work. So that was that was exciting, but also a little bit stressful for me. <laughs> a little bit intimidating yeah. with all those people who maybe been in the industry for a while. Well, yeah, and also because we were looked upon as representatives of the country, so that yes. felt like a responsibility. So you're a bit of an ambassador, so yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. that's an added pressure always, right. always. Right. But you get to meet other people in, in the industry, yes. you get ideas and, and things like that. Which Absolutely. Is we met think. John Travolta. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Claim to fame. 
<laughs> was yeah. he dancing along? Or? Oh, no, he came to our uh, pavilion and we sat with him and we chatted with him and then we uh, were invited to his uh, a party that was celebrating his work. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, I've only seen him in... Um, what was it? He was wearing um, a shiny suit. He was wearing a shiny suit? I think, yeah. I think he was so wearing a shiny suit. So it wasn't from Saturday Night Fever? <laughs> or some kind or? of frilly, frilly kind of tuxedo thing. So it's fun to see. From Saturday Night Fever, Greece <laughs> to the Cannes short film corner. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Very different. Yeah. That would be exciting, though, something a little bit different. So you, you've done a lot already, but as I read more about you, it seems to be that writing is your passion, yes. your biggest passion. Not, I mean, you obviously clearly like doing film, but, you know, the writing is the way that you want to go. And it's interesting, though, specifically more for children, not necessarily an adult audience, yes. a, child, a child, child's audience. So how did you come to that conclusion? Because, I mean, I, mean, oh. I love kids and everything, but I don't think I could write for kids. That's that's quite a journey for me to have arrived here. Right. I have done everything under the sun as a creative. Uh, when I first graduated high school, I I did interior design for two years. Oh, okay. And then I did graphic design for, for three and a half years. Okay. And then when I graduated <laughs> from my bachelor's, I decided, yeah, I don't want to create lo- logos for corporations. That's no. not me. I, I just want to I just want to write. I just want to tell stories. I've been writing since I was a child. Right. I actually I remember in sixth grade arriving at this very like revelation that I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be part of that cycle, right. that that storytelling cycle. I wanted to be a part of it. And and that's always been there in 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 my heart and in the back of my mind, but I never really allowed myself to kind of sink into it until right. very recently. So when I, I was done with graphic design, I moved on to film. And when I was done with film, I moved on into different kinds of entrepreneurship. And then I did coaching. And so I did everything. <laughs> did a bit of everything. Yeah, it, it was a process of exclusion. Right. Really. But it's not that I don't like film anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I might end up making another film in the future. But I feel like at this point, I have finally arrived in this grounded place where I just know that this is what I want to do, and and I and I don't want to be afraid of because it's you always have this fear of well if you, if you become a writer how are you going to make a career out of it how are right. you going to make money out of it how right. what are people going to think and you just go through this whole messy process and then I finally arrived here and I was like you know what screw it let's just that's, do it that's what I'm going to do that's what you're going to do what I've always wanted to do it's interesting because I remember even seeing in films where they have those lines that are saying if you wake up every morning and all you want to do is write or sing or one of those things then you're a writer or a singer mm-hmm. kind of thing so clearly that's that's the way it is yeah. for you it's always there in the background and if you can pursue that you know why not yeah and I, and I think I think the good thing about writing too is that it doesn't have to be a nine-to-five thing. You no. can do it any time a thought comes into your head. You've got your little notebook with you and yeah. just write something down. I I don't believe in the nine-to-five anymore. Mm-hmm. I've done that, and it's it's been, like, physically toxic yes. for me. But I do need structure oh, as a okay. writer. Like, right. I have to have some kind of structure, some kind of well, I guess a place to be at, you know, a, a time to be there. Okay. You know, so. 
and I deadlines just, too? Does that help you? Ju- yes, just like some semblance of a structure mm-hmm. to keep my explosive, chaotic, <laughs> creative energy in check so in that check. it's not like going off and all everywhere. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit later about the books that you've written already. But for now, let's get on to your research. And I know okay. you're only just starting. Yeah. So it's got a long way to go. But your research topic is gender performance in children's literature and media in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. All that kind of makes sense because you were brought up in um, Riyadh, mm-hmm. um, even though you're, you came from Canada mm-hmm. in the first place, that kind of thing. So how did you come up with this topic And can you give me a bit of an overview of it? Yeah. So for the past five years, there's been a novel that was just fighting to come out of me. (laughs) And I've had many false starts over the past five years with it. And last year, I realized why I couldn't, I wasn't able to write it. It's because I I wasn't tuning into what it was I was trying to say. Okay. What what part of it was me, was Mm -hmm. my journey, was my story. So this novel is not published yet. It's on its second draft as okay. of now, and okay. I plan to work on the third draft in the winter. <laughs> but I, I wrote it last year once I got that piece of clarity. And what I realized was that I wanted to express my experience as a child being brought up in an indoctrinated, heavily indoctrinated culture. Right. So that's where the, that's how the story ended up crystallizing. Mm-hmm. And the process of writing it was very emotional for me. Right, right. And there were times when I experienced a lot of fear about sharing it with the world. Because you were still in Saudi? Well, yes, yes, because I didn't know how it would be received. I was worried about how it would be received. And for a time I got really stuck with it, like I couldn't move forward because I was a little bit paralyzed. And then the only way I was, was able to move forward was by reassuring myself that as of now, no one is reading it yes. but me. <laughs> so I need to just finish it. Right. And then we'll think and about then, and then see. how we'll share it with the rest of the world. <laughs> so that whole process was very emotional. It was very, there was a lot of transmutation of my own emotions and my own uh, experiences right. uh, coming to light and coming to reconciliation even. So that's what inspired me to talk about this particular topic for my research. It started out as me wanting to research indoctrination in the Middle East and how okay. it affects children. Right. But then I realized that I wanted to, I was starting to to move more into the space of gender. Right. And I wanted to think about myself as a woman, as a girl, and how I was taught to be a woman or a girl growing up. And, right. And just kind of roll with that. Mm-hmm. And then literature is just, I just love, I love children's literature, you know. Just you get a lot to, out of children's literature. Yeah, I was just, I last year, last week I read uh, Glenn Wilmot's, my supervisor, yes. one of his um, uh, chapters, one chapter from his book, where he was analyzing uh, different kinds of books that I grew up with. Okay. And my mind was just like, Yay. yes, it was like tickles all over my mind. And I was just so happy. And I was like, yes, this, this is the kind of stuff I want to be reading. It's and, kind of like and a perfect match with. too, a great supervisor for you. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, so I, I just, I love this world. Well, yeah. that's good. See, I mean, it, I always find it fascinating how people come up with a topic. And I think the more that you're involved in that topic yourself, mm-hmm. if you've got feeling behind that topic, it 
I think it would have a better yeah. better substance to what you're wanting to write later. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, and I'm also feeling calling or the inclination to maybe focus a little bit more on um, how, this might sound very generic or very, you know, basic, but how we experience being our gender mm-hmm. or being yeah. being a woman being a woman yeah being a female in a society and how 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 it's like to be a female in your body and your you know just different aspects of that that's mm-hmm. i've been i kind of been um playing with that a lot right. recently right. Yeah. right re-exploring that redefining it you got lots to write about oh, clearly God, yeah <laughs> so <laughs> that's amazing so I know you haven't gone that far yet, but you clearly got some ideas in mind. So how do stories found in literature, oral stories, circles, schoolwork, religious texts, video, media, etc., mm. shape children's perceptions of themselves as males and females performing in a Middle Eastern society? Because for someone like me, I wouldn't have any idea, having mm. not lived there. Mm. But clearly you got some ideas yeah. on that. Well, I can tell you from personal experience... Mm-hmm. So growing up and reading religious text, for example, my personal experience as a child was that I often asked or I often questioned why the religious text didn't have the Quran, for example. Right, yes. Why there weren't many female characters okay. in the stories that mm-hmm. were being told. There are only a handful, maybe even, maybe, I'm not sure of this, but maybe even just three. Okay. And... They were in motherly roles or wifely roles. Right. So I, I always kind of questioned that as a child and, and wondered why, why that was. So this is one of the inquiries that I have. On the other hand, if um, another experience from that I, something else that I've experienced with storytelling as a child is that my grandmother, for example, would tell us some amazing fairy tales from right, our culture right. and they were orally you know right but passed, they weren't yeah. they weren't written down no they were they were passed down orally from mother to, to right. child right and so my grandmother used to tell us these stories and and the characters were mostly female okay and they weren't and they were you have that you know that you have that classic trope of princess you know yeah. uh, falling in love with the prince and, and all of that but what i found very interesting if you were to compare the stories that were passed down to me uh, from our culture with the stories from the west like cinderella snow white sleeping beauty and all of those the female characters were badasses oh is that right yes they were (laughs) the ones who were running away from home disguising themselves as men getting on that horse okay taking a sword going off and adventuring and you know, inquire, meeting like magical creatures, and, right. and they were the ones who got the prince. They didn't wait. They wait. So they went for the prince. Yes, that's interesting. That is that's it's fascinating. fascinating. It it feels, it feels like a like a paradox, like something that's inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just makes me wonder: is it, is it that um, women in our culture have an inner strength? that they're expressing through these stories? Highly probable, yes. Or is it something that they aspired towards Mm -hmm. because it wasn't... Allowed. Well, the other other way wasn't, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. So you said your grandmother was telling you these stories, but 
My grandmother's a badass. Just let me start off with that. <laughs> My grandmother challenged. Grandmothers say they usually all sorts are. of things. Yeah. yeah. And you go, Gran, you can't say that. <laughs> you can just see them. But uh, do you have brothers? I have an older brother. Okay. Did she say that, tell the same stories to your brother? Or was it just to you? Well, so, no. Well, like, we would sit around her, me and my cousins, all of us, girls and boys, mm-hmm. and we would listen to her okay. stories. So, so it wasn't it was, just, So yeah. it was mixed there? Yeah. Okay, because I just wondered whether she told those stories just to the girls and the family. Yeah. So that's no, interesting. No, no. It was a, mm-hmm. across the board. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So what, what did the, the, the males in your family think about some of these stories? Oh, we were list- We were lapping them up like over and over and over. We wouldn't get tired. Like, all of us, we would sit and listen. <laughs> so to you these. just love the stories. I don't from know. Our actually, I would love to ask, ask my them. cousin what he thought. Yeah. Now that we're both adults. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Did it make an impression on him, or that was would just be a, was it just a story? Yeah, it never occurred to me to mm-hmm. ask. There you go. Another research topic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so I know I digress a lot, so I need That's to pull okay. it back in. <laughs> So how can we use this knowledge to create more awareness and empowerment for both genders through the storytelling that we participate in the future? It would be interesting to look at, I mean, I notice children's books nowadays, in Saudi Arabia at least, I can't speak for other countries, but there are a few leaders mm-hmm. in that arena right. that are revolutionising the face of children's literature. Right. So that's great. But I'd be curious to look at them from a gender perspective. Okay. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. But, okay. I, but I would be interested to see. To the see. Difference. And then I would be also interested to have conversations about how we can rewrite maybe some of the old stories or think about so just you, be more conscious, you know. Of how you, so you say when you rewrite more, more for what the modern times are saying, is that kind of the rewrite you're looking for or yeah, to just, bring in different perspectives from different genders? Yeah. <laughs> make, it would make some stories very interesting if you switch them up a oh, little absolutely. bit. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Things that you've been brought up with. Did you not, because um, I know you spent most of your childhood and, and time in Saudi Arabia, but having been born in Canada, mm-hmm. did you not read any Western books as well while you were there? I was taken back to Saudi Arabia when I was a year old. Oh, but okay. I, right. I grew up with English literature at a very young age, okay. I didn't read much Arabic. My okay. Arabic is not, not, not very good. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, I, I have basic right. functional Arabic, but not literary Arabic. I was always more attracted to Western literature. Right. It used to drive my mother crazy. <laughs> <laughs> We're meant to do that, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But she was the one, actually, who exposed me to English literature. Okay. So, so there you go. Yeah. You know. So that happened. The first novel I read was Oliver Twist. Okay. But abridged. I started reading classics in third grade. And before that, I used to read the Bernstein Bears. Okay. I used to, you know, devour those. My mom bought a huge collection. And then she would give me one to read and ask me to summarize it so I could get the other one. Oh, wow. So that's how Is she it a teacher? S- yeah, she, that's, so that's how it all started. <laughs> okay, that's like almost like my mum yeah. used to say. I used to ask her, how do I spell this word? And she goes, you know where the dictionary is? I go, oh, drats. <laughs> I have to go and look it up. Yeah. When I knew she yeah. knew the answer. <laughs> yeah. I would argue that she was the reason I started writing. Okay. Oh, strong mother. That's great. Oh, yeah. she's, she's amazing. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So how can these stories be premeditated to create a more positive gender narrative in Arab societies? 
I'm not sure, but I would say that discourse is important. Right. Awareness is important. Mm -hmm. Conversation between writers is important. Okay. Uh, in that, you know, in that context, I think it's it's a long process. I don't think this could happen overnight. And it's it's I do think, however, you know, what would be interesting if there was one product or one book or one uh, piece of literature that was, you know, a bestseller or a trend or, or something that went, goes viral and then starts a new trend or a new way of writing. Right. I think that that would be kind of a kind of thing to to aspire towards. But if we were to be practical, I think. We have to think of a, of a longer term right. process that would take place in the long term. In the long term. Than well, is there, going to school in, in Saudi, was there certain books that every student read going through primary school or high school? You mean in literature? In literature. Arabic or English? Because in English, I didn't have to be told to read anything. Yes. So, so in Arabic yeah. then? In Arabic, we were just overly saturated with poetry. Poetry is kind of revered okay. in the Middle East and okay. Arab culture. It's it has it had a lot of weight in ancient Arabia, and um, it was almost like a like some kind of divine art, you know. Right. So we were overly sat overly saturated with ancient poetry, and I hated it. <laughs> Just give her a good story. She just wants a story, <laughs> not these single and, and sentences. And honestly, I, I, even as, as a young girl, I didn't think that Arab writers who wrote, don't hate me, Arabs who read <laughs> Arab books, but I personally didn't find that Arab writers were skilled at storytelling. Okay. I know this is a big statement. It is a big statement. Mm -hmm. But that was that was how I felt as a child, and it was the reason I, 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 I couldn't stand right, reading right. Arab literature. I tried, but I yeah. couldn't stand it. And I think we all go through that. There's, I mean, even even Shakespeare and stuff like that. If I read it in the the true old English mm -hmm. that it's written in, it's like, oh no, sorry, just give me the film so I can understand yeah. the story. Yeah. If I have to work too hard at it yeah, to yeah, try and yeah. figure out what they're trying to tell me, I get lost yeah. very very quickly and, and disinterested. But it wasn't just the language for me. It was also the um, just basic things like plot. Right. Yes, and it has to have a good plot because when you read a lot of good literature mm -hmm. and even as a child maybe I couldn't put my finger on it or maybe I couldn't voice why the story felt wonky or right. felt unsatisfactory but when you've read a lot of good literature and then you read other kinds of literature that you can you're probably not going to be able to word it properly but mm -hmm. but you know that there's something, something missing, missing mm -hmm. something that's not quite Yes, not you quite there yet, and so. you just can't put your finger on it, yeah. which is even more frustrating. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, that's that's good for you. So, I mean, in terms of your your research, then you've got a lot to, <laughs> because just from what you've told us now, there's a lot there that you're going to have to try and pull in yeah. to help you with your your research, mm -hmm. and that's a big task for you. Mm -hmm. But of course, on the side. You like to still write books yourself. Yes. So you have published a couple of books. Yeah. One is called Weather Knows and another one called Road to Elephants. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got to do those and what kind of audience are they for? Yeah, sure. Weather Knows is, and it's just one word, weather as in like the weather. Mm -hmm. Weather Knows. Knows as in your nose. Because it's all to do with tarts the and body things. I've read, yes. read the names. <laughs> 
So uh, Weather Knows is a uh, YA book, young adult. Right. I wrote, th- I love talking about this book. It's it's very dear to my heart. That's good. I published it in August. Like okay. This August I published it on my birthday. Whoa, 21st congrats. August. Thank you. I actually wrote this years ago when I was still in college and doing my bachelor's. Okay. It was the summer of 2006 when I first started writing it, actually. And um, it's just, it was, uh, that summer I was bored. (laughs) I can tell you that. I love it. So I just, I just saw this character standing on the edge of a, of a, of a, you know, of a shore in his island. And I was like, huh, this is, that's interesting. Well, what's he doing? And then it just started to unfold and it just got more colorful and got funnier and funnier and <laughs> and just like all these wacky characters sort of came, came. into the story. It's fantasy, right? It is fantasy. Yes. It's it's fantasy that is you know, verging on steampunk. Okay. All right. Okay, yeah. everyone. Yeah. But I would just like to add that when I say steampunk, I don't mean steampunk that is set in like London or right. or any you know anywhere. Victorian or European, it's actually the world that the story takes place in is more, a little more on the tropical side. Okay, because like you say, you talked about an island. Yeah, but it has some of the steampunk sort of uh, motifs. Right. Yeah, so... Which you can get from the cover of the book. Yes, yes, yes. Ugh. The artist who did the cover. Oh, you didn't just, do that yourself? I didn't do it myself, no. <laughs> the artist who did the cover is amazing. She totally got the story and That's she created good. the perfect cover for it. Um, yeah, so the story is about a grumbling, old-fashioned weatherman whose career gets sabotaged when a 10-year-old girl invents a machine that can predict the weather. Better than he can. Better than he can, obviously. Uh-oh. So he has no other choice but to set out for revenge and destroy the machine <laughs> to get his life back. <laughs> the sweet thing about the story is that he starts in this, you know, in this process, he learns a lot more about her than he Okay. Could have predicted, and right. he l- learns a lot about himself as well. Ah, so yeah. self evaluation yeah. in the yeah. end too. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's your plot line. It's a lovely story. I actually, st- I actually tried to launch this Halloween challenge. Oh yes. Yes. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> People responded as much as oh. I wanted them to, but <laughs> hey, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, but the challenge was that I wanted uh, people to pick a character from the book, okay. and then dress as those characters. Okay. And then whoever wins get a chance t- to chat with Cypress, who is the little child prodigy right. in the story. Oh, that'd and, be cool. Yeah, and she's she's a she doesn't have much of a sense of humor. Oh. She's very self-satisfied. She's a little smug about her own abilities. <laughs> um, she's the kind of kid that you, you just kind of want to smack for, for being too smart, you know? <laughs> One of those kids who don't really respect their elders. But, right. But um, she's going to eventually, hopefully. She's deep, 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 deep inside. She's right. actually very sweet and vulnerable. Right. So, so that obviously, like you said, your characters have a lot to them. Yeah. What they, they show... Yeah to everybody and then what's inside yeah, as well which yeah, is yeah, fascinating yeah. and what I love about this book is is this just di- dynamic between you know a, a man in his 40s and a 10 year old girl and it's like yes it's just a, it's it just fit? an odd mm-hmm. combination you know that, okay so I'll have to read that one I'm gonna read that on the plane tomorrow yeah and if you like hot air balloons I'm I'm personally very fascinated with hot air balloons I'm fascinated where yeah. I go where I'm from home mm. um, in Canberra Australia they uh, have these big hot air balloon festivals mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's fascinating just to watch them all yeah yeah and how they go 
petrifies me too getting off the ground that much but there we go yeah so um, if you like them read the book and then what about road to elephants the road to elephants about a circus I, running away yeah the road to elephants i wrote uh when i was doing my master's in boston it was i think it was 2013 when i wrote it mm-hmm. and i was on a bus to new york and i was listening to cirque du soleil okay one of their soundtracks right and as as it happens with these things just an image started to form in my head and I started writing <laughs> went it from down. There. Yeah, and I went from there and I, I started to really connect with this character. Uh the lead character is called Yasmin. She's uh she's an eleven year old girl who's very precocious, very adventurous, very stubborn, a little bit bossy. And she has is a, any of this re- um, similar I to don't you think so, no. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. But uh she has a little brother who's uh, more on the sensitive side. Right. He's he's a like little scaredy cat. But he they adore each other and they do everything together. So Fantastic. these kids hear about a circus that's coming into town. Um and I should say the story is set in Saudi Arabia in the 1920s. Okay. Out in 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 the outskirts in a province called Hal. Okay. So these kids they they're being raised by an abusive nanny. Mm. Their parents left for to help the pilgrims in Indonesia and they haven't been back for 5 years. Oh nice. So they're left at home in their mansion with this nanny who's very strict and threatens to use the strap on them. So they Which hear about it in those times. Yeah. So the kids hear about a circus that's coming to town. and they decide to run away from home to join the circus because that life would be so much any, better. Yeah, so much better than, you know, what they have to do with every day. So, they run away and the story is about their journey on the road. Right. On their road right. to elephants. Right. And it's uh they having been sheltered, their experience of the real world is not what they it's expect. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I would call this one a dark fantasy. It's also a bit of an awakening for them, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mhm. And I wouldn't I wouldn't let children read it. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> okay. There we go. It'll be okay for me, although I do consider myself a child more often yeah. than not. <laughs> Still. But obviously two books that you're very um happy about. Yeah. Uh, which is great that you've actually got them printed. Yeah. And everything not just in your thoughts or yeah. tucked away in a in a drawer or something. It's so. an amazing experience. That's awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. And now I understand too you've got a few things in the works and like you said you don't know when they'll actually come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Two books and a, po- a possible another short film? No, I'm just sticking to books right now. Just I, books? There's no short film that I'm planning for. Oh, okay. Okay. I might change my mind might tomorrow, change your mind. I don't know, but <laughs> But as of now, that's where it is. So you got one that you um, that must be the one you were talking more about where it's in the back of the fantasy novel yes. a bit more. Yes. But so you obviously obviously like more of the fantasy yes. type things. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That's so that, that's what that was my, you know, bread and, like that was my food and drink. Right. When I was a right, child. Right. Yeah. Okay. Narnia, and so your the Narnia books. Your your reading or the Narnia. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so your reading hasn't changed much as you're growing into an adult. Or? No, it has. I've been I've been reading I've been reading a lot of different kinds of books. I for a while there I had a crush on a literary crush on uh, Ian McEwan. Okay. Who wrote yes. Atonement? Yes. Have you read that? Yes. The book is fantastic. So beautiful. Maybe I'll turn my attention to adult drama someday, but I feel like I feel like there's a little child in me that wants to be 
which you can got a lot of expressed right now. So right. I'm going back to um, fantasy now, and I've actually been reading fantasy. I've, 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 I was in the process of reading Liesel and Poe by uh, Lauren Oliver, okay. but I lost the book on the bus. Oh. So <laughs> I don't know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> don't you hate that? I know, yeah. You've missed the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> But you're clearly going to have time to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, even with your research, you're going to have to do a lot of yes. reading. So that's going to keep you busy anyway. Yes. So I'd, I'd like to say, first of all, thank you for coming on to the show oh, and telling us you. one about your research and also about the books and things that you and films that you've done. Because it sounds, I'm a bit jealous, actually. I, I wish I was creative. I just don't have a creative bone in my body. So I'm, I'm always jealous when people sure can. Are you absolutely sure about that? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't garden. I can't write. I can't draw can anything. Cook? No, I can't even cook. Mm. I know, it's a bit sad. <laughs> It's very sad. You're making this podcast. That's creative. I'm making the podcast. There yeah. you go. That is creative. Yeah. In my own special way, which is good. Yeah. yeah. So I do appreciate you coming on and telling us all about that. I do wish you the best of luck Thank both you. with your extracurriculars, i.e. your other writing, as well as with your PhD, because um, there's a lot of work to do yeah. with that too. And, uh, you know, maybe have an opportunity to work in the community too and talk to kids and and high schoolers and things about the process that you came through because there's always opportunities to to work in the community. They love our students going out there and doing things. So good luck with all of that. Thank you. So before I finish, if anyone is interested in reading some of the books that uh, Maram has done or go onto her website and things, uh, maybe, Maram, you can tell us what what is the website and if you've got an Instagram or anything like that that they can look up some of your work. Both Weather Knows, which is, again, one word, and The Road to Elephants can be found on Amazon. Right. There's a print version and an ebook version, so you can choose whatever you like. My website is www.maram, M-A-R-A-M, hyphen, T-A-I-B, like boy, A-H, dot com. My Instagram is maram.taiba, T-A-I-B-A-H. Perfect. And I'll actually put those up on our website too, so people can go in and uh, have a look at that too. So thank you very much for that. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Excellent. So that's it, everyone. Another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcast or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. And don't forget, if you type in gofunding.ca for CFRC, and if you've got a bit of spare cash you'd like to help donate to continue CFRC going on for many, many more years to come, that would be appreciated. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Hey.